Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you might be. I am Nicole BC, and you, you have know everything. everything. How to make your first million. I actually typed that in and it was hot to make your first million and I wanted to leave it hot to make your first million. But this is part of an experiment. If you've listened to me at all, you know, I'm huge on hypothesizing and testing. It is part of design theory, which is one of the way I've always worked, one of the ways I've always worked. And I advocate for everybody to test. There's no such thing as success or failure. There's only quitting. And sometimes that is actually a really great strategy. However, this episode is apparently on one of the most talked about topics in the sort of business services realm on YouTube. And I've been doing a lot of research just in terms of what are people talking about? What do people want to know about? I'm using AI. I'm using ChatGPT to comb the internet for me to ultimately find real solutions for people because I find a lot of this clickbait is sensationalized bullshit from people who have not walked the walk from some 20 year old who might have made millions and millions of dollars, don't get me wrong, but they did it for themselves. Who knows what the background story is, who knows what their connections were, what their network was, who knows what their background is. They could have had a really, really challenging story that doesn't necessarily apply to you or relate to you. So I do my very best in all of the things that I talk about to simply offer some guidance based on the thousands of people that I've worked with, because in case you couldn't figure it out, I am old and uh, I've got about twice the experience <laughs> of a 20 year old in terms of we're, we're going on 20 years of actual work experience here and not that I need to qualify myself or have anything to prove. So with that, I, I do want to say, I think it's weird that this is the most watched video on YouTube. Not like, I guess it's a pretty common concept, but if anyone were actually applying what they were listening, then wouldn't we all be millionaires, right? Like, most of these videos that I'm, I'm looking at and the kind of like research that I'm doing suggests that 10 million people should all be millionaires right now. <laughs> so my first question for you, my friend, is why? Why a million? Like it's kind of an arbitrary number, especially now. I remember a meme that um, my partner shared with me and it was like what I thought a million would get me. And it's just like palatial mansion, right? Like huge sprawling yard and there's like ponds and fountains and like driveways and wings and you know windows and then it was like what a million will actually get me and it's like a two-bedroom house with a garage in LA right so my first real question for you and and if your purpose is truly to make seven figures happen for you why <laughs> what is that million gonna do for you are you going to buy a two-bedroom, one-car garage house in Los Angeles? Are you going to invest it? Are you going to use it to make another million? I think getting really clear on what that number, why a million dollars? Are you paying off debt? Are you trying to buy a home? Are you trying to buy an investment property? Are you investing in a business? If so, like, what are you going to do with, with that? It's not just like, I'm going to put a million dollars in my bank account. I'm going to hire a marketing agent. I'm going to do Facebook ads, like whatever it's going to look like. Get really clear on why a million. 
I don't think in any of the videos that I didn't watch that much of, let's be real, they talked about like, why a million? It's just all about like game fucking millions and buy a Lambo and designer clothing. And like, that might be your thing. Awesome. Um, that, you know, then like, I'm going to buy like this pair of shoes, that outfit, <laughs> and this car, just get clear on it. It's going to help you in some of the moments of doubt or struggle. Remember, oh yeah, this is going towards that. That thing is really important to me. And this is, this is a worthwhile endeavor. Secondly, firstly, firstly, secondly, secondly, firstly, this is not financial advice. This is all simply based on my own experience and ultimately what I would likely do if I was in your situation, right? There's, I think when I was kind of thinking about this, there are a handful, like four strategies that I think are going to loosely apply to you. And so when you clarify, like there's obvious, there's a million things you could do with a million dollars, right? It can feel a little overwhelming sometimes when we're trying to plan really far into the future. So thinking about just generally, what would you do with a million? For some of us, it's literally wait. I am saving this money so that I can invest it in something bigger. That is not only, I think, probably the first step to making your first million, because when you understand how to save money and how to invest money, that's how you make your money work for you. When you hear people talk about passive income, which doesn't really exist, I think of it more like residual income, income that is, I am earning based on efforts from the past. So I worked really damn hard for this, and now I continue to be rewarded for it. That's how I kind of think about passive income. But when we, when we understand how to both hold on to and then invest that money into our future, we create a foundation for growth. So first up, saving money, right? That allows us to get better at money. So we can then tune into like, what are, how are we going to leverage this money? How are we going to make this money work for us? What is our <laughs> individual approach to both winning and more importantly, losing? AKA, like, what is my risk tolerance? So as you start to amass more and more wealth, you will have opportunities to leverage it. Meaning as you learn to save more money, then you will be able to invest it. Now, not every investment is going to pay off. So what are you willing to lose? Some people, it ain't much, right? And in fact, it's really time. They put that money away in a retirement account or a savings account or some CDs, um, bonds, some very, 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 very low risk strategies. And then they just sit around and do their thing and they wait for that money to grow. Very slow, but also very low risk. Their risk tolerance is low. They don't want to lose anything. That's really useful knowledge. That is going to inform everything in terms of how to make your first million or how to make your next million. I would also look at a strategy in terms of network. So for some people, they're going to have a little pile of money. That little pile is going to be of varying sizes depending on you and your background, right? But based on who you know, based on your existing experience, based on what you're willing to exchange. Like you might want to exchange some time as in you want to speed things up. And so you're investing in an expert or an advisor or in your own learning and skills development. So I think about that in terms of like, what is my money network? And what am I willing to kind of exchange in order to potentially decrease my time, decrease my risk, or decrease my potential reward? increase my potential award is probably how you would want to look at that. But like less risk typically means um, less reward. 
That's not always true by any means, but more risk typically means more reward. So again, depending on your tolerance for risk, your network, your ability to save, all of these things are going to influence how you amass your own wealth, if that's a million dollars or $10 million. And then lastly, what do you have to offer? So if you don't have a lot of time and maybe you don't have a lot of money, you probably have an expertise or something that you can give in exchange. And so these are going to be resources that we draw upon as we start moving into like how to build this financial reward that you're seeking. And most likely, you're going to draw upon multiple of these resources. You might feel like all you can do right now is save. If you've never been able to save a dime, this could be a really great place for you to start. Some people, some crazy people out there, I know many of them, they do best with having nothing, no resources. It gives them that fire and that energy. So I actually think about it as like a pyramid or a triangle, I should say. Like there's, you've got time you've got energy and you've got money. So depending on what you feel like you have more of that, you know, that triangle is going to change shape. I, I, so I, I think that we can achieve almost anything with those three resources. And then we have to just be aware of where we're probably lesser than and others. So as an example, I got lots of money. I don't have lots of time. I've got lots of expertise though. So I'm able to work with my network. I'm able to leverage my money as a resource. I also have lots of experience in terms of savings and leveraging. I have a really high risk tolerance as well. So like I am very aware of all of those things when I look to what is my next investment going to be and how do I want to grow my wealth? I guess that's probably a good opportunity to talk a little bit about my own history. So I started working at a really, really young age. I did what many of us do uh, back in the day, which was a little bit of hustling. If you know what I'm talking about, you know. So I had some cash in a bank account. I moved overseas. I didn't really touch that cash. That was my savings, right? It was kind of for a rainy day. It was kind of for an emergency. I'm, I moved overseas to study audio engineering. I had been working in the music industry for about four years at that point. For anybody who knows... <laughs> It's a, it's a pretty tumultuous thing to declare as a career. And I had certainly no interest in actually doing that. I didn't think that it was something I really wanted to do as a lifer, which is a term we kind of use in the industry. So I went and studied. I had a really, really rough time that first year, which meant that I was able to completely throw myself into my studies. And as a result, I managed to get a really incredible professional opportunity that I jumped on. I decided to stay in Australia. I started a recording studio with a couple of friends. We started another recording studio with an actual business partner and a business plan. And, you know, we, like we, we had a rental space. I mean, it, it felt like, okay, there's, there's a lot of risk going on here. I'm going to take this really seriously. I then started a record label. As a result of the desire to sell records, I realized I needed to be booking artists because bands that aren't playing shows are probably not selling records. And, so on and so forth. So I ended up starting quite a few businesses and uh, with a lot of energy, a lot of time and no fucking money. And in doing that, um, we established a draft, an overdraft account for our banking. We didn't have any credit. So what we did is allow our, our, our bank allowed us to essentially use our checking account like a credit card. So it extended us a very small amount of credit, which we would use. And then, you know, as, as we would get gigs into our account or as we would sell products, we would put more money back into our checking account that expanded our line of credit until we amassed like a significant amount of debt. 
And it was not quite six figures, but it was pushing it. That felt significant to me at like 25 years old, right? I had nearly $100,000 worth of debt. And we identified a piece of equipment at the studio that we needed that also cost about $120,000 at the time. It was a Pro Tools rig. And my business partner and I sat down and we thought, okay, in order to get the gigs that we need to pay off our debt, and we have to have this piece of gear. We can't be charging what we want to charge without better quality gear. But we can't buy better quality gear because we were at the end, we're at the end of our credit. And so we figured out a way to bring in some money right now. And just hot tip for anybody who is feeling like they're struggling in cash flow, you need a cash injection. Don't just try to like keep on keeping on. Think of something completely outside of your existing cash flow sales and systems to to bring in like a large amount of money, large again, very relative. But so we worked out a couple of different like fundraising ideas, events that we could host, um, band contests, like different things that we could do to bring in some money. And so we were able to pay off about half of our debt in one go with our bank, with our lender. And so we sat down with our bank manager and we negotiated with them. And we said, we can give you 50% cash right now. This was also, I should probably qualify this. This is 2008, right? So Australia never really got hit like the United States and some of the rest of the world in terms of the economic crisis. But it was scary there for a minute. This will also feed into the rest of my story. So we were able to negotiate about half of our debt down and pay it off. And that brought us back to zero. You can negotiate debt. That's a whole nother video. And then as a result of that, our uh, credit limit expanded because they perceived us as being like a, a, a solid investment. So we were able to extend our credit, buy this piece of equipment and keep on keeping on and essentially double our income within like months of working. So that taught me a super valuable lesson about savings, about cash flow, about debt. And ultimately, my biggest takeaway from that, and this is, I think, where a lot of my um, tolerance for risk comes from is I realize like business is business and it's a numbers game. And all you need to do is get really clear on the potential, have a plan of attack and deliver on your promises. And if you can do that, you can probably do anything. And you know what we did was make a deal with our bank. I didn't even know that that was possible. I don't even remember. I mean, I think it was as simple as going, we can pay you cash right now and we can call it good. Are you willing to make a deal with us? And the bank was like, yeah, <laughs> it was just like, oh. And I mean, I think both my business partner and I had some pretty scrappy upbringings and had learned like, you know, what is it? A one bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Again, like I said, that's a completely different story, but I learned a lot about risk and I learned a lot about leverage in that. So from there, I'm building businesses, I'm building my career, I'm building my reputation, things are going really well, I'm working with bigger and better artists, so on and so forth. And that's kind of happening. I'm also wanting to buy my own house, my first house. And I have this little nest egg that's been sitting in a bank account that no one's touched for, at this point, like seven years. And the um, one of the things that the Australian government was doing at the time was matching first-time homebuyers down payment up to a certain amount of money. And so I realized if I can buy a house in this window of time, then I can essentially double my down payment and alleviate some of the expenses and like mortgage repayments and things like that that will go along with this. Now, there was a succinct amount of time. I was in a long-term relationship. So we started looking 
for houses. And that was every weekend. It was like a race. It was super intense. I put in a handful of offers. I lost a handful of offers. Eventually, my partner and I actually broke up. And then I realized I'm doing this on my own. This was someone who had a corporate gig, really, really steady income. Blenders were much friendlier with them. When I went in, it's like a self-employed 27-year-old who wasn't making a lot of money for all intents and purposes. But I had a, I had a, I had a chunk of cash to put down. And also, I was going to get matched by the government. I decided to take this risk on and I bought a pretty dilapidated property. It was a, it was a, I thought it was like really vibey, kind of like warehouse space, very like 1960, actually it was like 1920s art deco. And I figured I can, I can rent the other room in it and that will at least make sure that my basic expenses are covered. And, um, it's not as scary as doing it all by myself. That was like a whole nother, whole nother thing, but got a property. Uh, I renovated it myself having never done anything like that before. I think I had like painted a wall in a few apartments that I'd lived in in the past, right? Yeah, I, I'm not a very handy person. And so I decided I was going to pull up the old carpet and repaint the whole thing. And I wanted to do like a gloss on the cement and uh, put in like new fixtures. And yeah, it was um, it was kind of a disaster. There were lots of tears shed. But I managed to do it. I had lots of different housemates in that space. Uh, I was kind of, the, I felt like I was the perfect housemate because at that point I was touring a lot. So you basically got the whole apartment to yourself. But lots of projects were like not all the way completed. <laughs> so like as an example, someone might not have had a working oven for the few months that they were there and decided that the toaster oven didn't cut it. So yeah, there were issues like that. But I learned how to rent the property. I learned that I needed a lease and that just because a mate said they wanted to live with me uh, and would pay rent did not mean that they would. So I, I learned a lot about contracts and agreements and responsibility because if I told someone that they would have an oven and then they didn't, they would move out. <laughs> um, because that property was purchased at such a stressful time in the property market, I basically bought at the bottom. And I made my first million by having the businesses that I had and by having that property. And when I got really, really scary news in regards to um, my mom and her illness, if you've been paying attention, fast forward 10 years, we realized we've come full circle in that. But I, I ended up packing up my life of 10 years in Australia and moving back to the States within like a couple of weeks, thanks to the amazing community and people who supported me in that. I um, rented that property out for about a year and a half before I uh, wanted to buy a property in the States. I sold that property for twice as much as I had purchased it for. And that was almost all equity because I had used renters to pay the expenses. I had um, a grant that or a deposit that was matched. And I, I bought a property in a shitty part of town that became a super cool part of town because it's where all the creatives, creatives and artists were. I sold out my partnerships in a handful of the businesses that I was in and or I just passed on um, my partnership to people that I believed would be able to support the artists and the partners that I had been working with. And that gave me a, just over a million, just over a million in capital that I was then able to invest in my next business endeavors and properties in the United States. The whole process probably took, um, in terms of building my businesses, purchasing the property and then selling out. I would say that was about six years and none of it, none of it was ever to, I had no, I thought I was going to be there forever and Australia will forever and always be my home. And I will be forever grateful for the people that 
contributed to that part of my growth and development. And that investment and the skills that I learned in amassing that are how I've been able to get into property investment, investing and trading in general, business coaching, business partnerships. And I think that's about it. That's probably that qualifies, right? So anyhow, that's my backstory. I think that took longer than I wanted. So an important point that I want to make is that when I saw that house sale hit my bank account, when I saw the business sales hit my bank account, when I saw seven figures in my bank account, it felt very different than I thought being a millionaire would feel. And every goal I've ever hit, every target I've ever hit, I thought I would feel a certain level of success, satisfaction, influence, respect isn't the right word, but this like feeling of like, ah, we've made it. And it felt very validating. And also in every instance I've seen seven plus figures hit my bank account, it's almost immediately exiting because I have a plan for it. And now I know what I really want to focus on is the way that I feel when I hit those targets. I want to feel grateful. I want to feel exhilaration. I want to feel inspired. I want to feel encouraged to keep going. And I'll tell you what, my friends, sometimes I've hit those targets and I've been so exhausted. I worked so hard. I invested so much. I felt like I had sacrificed so much that it almost felt like a kick in the teeth to be like, oh, great. There's the thing I've nearly killed myself for. And I have so much more work to do now. So Again, that's a whole separate video as well. But that's why it's really important to think about what are you going to do with this? Why, why a million? So this is not financial advice. This is just me sharing my experience. And this is just me expanding upon like what I would probably do if I had to start all the way over, which I've done several times. So if you're living paycheck to paycheck, if you feel like there is no way for you to save or to amass wealth, I hope that what I share next inspires you. Because I have worked with people who have lost everything. We were working on a business. We were working on a plan and life happened, divorce, death, um, accident, so on and so forth. And suddenly the multiple figures they thought they had or the, the time or the energy is completely transformed into something else. But using their existing skills, using their existing network, using their faith that they can save and they can invest and they can leverage, they were able to turn things around really, really, really quickly. So all you really need is a plan. All you need is a desired destination. You don't even need to know the how so much. You just need the desire. If you want it, you can create it. Where there is a will, there is a way. Now let's talk about what are the next steps? So firstly, know your immediate goals. A 20-year-old with no debt and no partner and no kids and no real responsibilities is going to have a completely different concept about their first million than someone who's 50, who wants to make a career change, who hasn't paid off any of their mortgage and who's got two adult kids living in their basement, right? Now, it is absolutely possible and has happened more times than we can possibly count for both of those individuals to create the success that they desire. And if we want to define that monetarily by a million dollars, let's fucking do it because that's what we're going to get into, okay? If you feel like this doesn't apply to you, explore that. Why are you the exception to the rule? Because there are a thousand, what is it, rags to riches stories out there. Just, just look up how to make a million on YouTube, okay? So 
Are you trying to buy a home? Are you trying to save for your kid's future? Are you trying to get your kids out of the house? Are you trying to start a business? Are you trying to invest in your business? Do you want to invest in yourself? Do you want to start traveling? Do you want a retirement plan? A lot of my people want to retire by 40. That is going to look very different than someone who wants six McMansions in resort destinations. Okay. So, and I say that because your financial management is going to look really different. As an example, I don't have a lot of, ooh, I was going to say responsibilities. That's not true. But like, I don't have kids. I don't have a partner. I'm good in terms of my own residential properties. My goal right now are investment properties. Now, because of the way that I've managed my money and because of the way that I work, I'm not looking to borrow a ton of money. So the way that you build your, your financial history and your financial um, snapshot, if you will, is going to look really different if you need to leverage a lot of money. This is it. This is, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Let's but break out some plans. So the first, let's say you have a hundred bucks. Now I'm assuming if you're watching this, you probably have more than that. But like I said, accessibility, inclusive. Let's talk to someone who feels like all they have is $100. Now, first, you're not going to like this answer if this is you. Uh, what would I do if all I had was $100 and I wanted to make a million bucks? I would save that 100 bucks Because whatever your situation is, if that's all you have, then you need to practice saving. You need to start with just knowing you can set aside money and it can stay there. If you can do that, let's say for month over month, it's going to take you 10 months to get to a thousand bucks. Now we have a working amount of capital and that's business finance speak for you've got some money to spend, some money to invest, and you can start to grow that. So what I would probably do, because I'm a little bit of a worker bee, um, as in like, I, I like I like to, to have both a, a plan, like a destination to where I'm going, and I like to be testing different strategies. So if I had a hundred bucks, I would save it until I could start to leverage it. And all that means is you're you're letting your money work for you. I would probably do something like rent a car through Uber with that money. And I would use that money to earn more money. And there are so many Skillshare services out there. There's an app for that, my friend. So you could rent a car. You could rent items in your home. You could set up a profile and start hustling, whether it's in your like local neighborhood. I would kind of encourage that, especially if this is the first thing that you're getting started with. Me personally, I would babysit. I would nanny. I would Uber. I would take those free moments in my life and I would use them to leverage my money. Now, I am absolutely trading time for money in that. Is my time now justified by an Uber drive? No. But if I have spare time, the work that I do doesn't mean that I can just turn on like someone paying me for that hour. But I can turn on a car and drive around and get someone to pay me for that hour. What I've found as well is when you start literally investing yourself into your plan, whatever getting to that desired destination is, opportunities start to come your way. It's very compounding. And so instead of sitting around and feeling sorry for yourself because you feel like you live paycheck to paycheck, what if that might be true? I am not arguing with that at all. But what if we just pretend for a moment that in some of the other hours in the day, there is a way for you to actually discover your earning capacity? And maybe you're lacking in mobility. Maybe you're lacking in the geographical location that you're at. 
I promise you when you shift to, okay, let's just pretend there is an opportunity and I just haven't found it yet, something will pop up. As long as we're just focusing on the fact that we cannot do anything and we're trapped and we're stuck, that is exactly the reality you will experience. So I have some other ideas as well. Every single job I've ever gotten, I got because I started working for free and not because I was in a place of privilege. I often worked two or three other jobs. I've worked at call centers. I have cleaned gyms at night. I have cleaned houses. I have nannied. I have babysat. I have waited tables. I've bartended. I've, uh, I mean, like I've scooped ice cream. <laughs> I've worked events. I mean, the amount of events that I have worked is insane. Uh, there are so many gigs available. And granted, I'm doing this from like a, an able-bodied place. I understand that. But I work with a lot of people who don't have the ability to use their physical bodies in exchange for labor. But there's a computer, there's a headset, there's a keyboard. There are so many different ways that we can actually generate income. So I don't think that's going to be a majority of the people that are watching this. Thank you for continuing to listen. Uh, the one takeaway is when you shift to let's pretend there is an opportunity. I just haven't found it yet. It's going to change everything for you. So now let's talk about if you've got a thousand or let's even go like $10,000 because actually the strategy wouldn't differ that much for me. And one of, one of my ways of working, I'm not that motivated by making like 10 bucks an hour or $10 on a particular investment. A lot of people will talk about retail arbitrage, go to a garage sale, buy some stuff for a hundred bucks, sell it on eBay for $500, right? That's awesome. If you can do that, I mean, if shopping is your thing, selling things that you already own, amazing, right? I'm personally motivated by larger amounts of money these days. And that has a lot to do with my risk aversion as well. I'm willing to risk 10,000. I'm willing to risk $100,000 if the potential is a million. But I, I'm, I'm not that, I'm not that motivated any longer by certain amounts of money. So keep in mind the, the bigger game you're playing, the more invested in it you're going to be. Now you get to determine the size of your game board, right? But. So what I would do with anywhere from a thousand to 10,000 bucks is I would really start with leveraging it. How can I invest this money? So that might be buying a particular course or approaching a particular mentor and teacher and saying, Hey, I only have, I only have a thousand dollars. I'm going to give you half of that. If our work together yields any profits, I will also give you half of that, whatever that looks like. Get creative with the resources that you have and start looking at that, that little matrix of time, energy, and your, your expertise, what you have available to offer. I guess it was time, money, and, and expertise. So in this instance, that's what we're looking for in terms of that exchange is that expertise. There are so, again, with those skills shares or like rental properties, there are so many people that need someone to, to manage their assets for them. And people aren't just doing short-term rentals. You could literally find 10 Airbnb properties in your neighborhood right now and say, hey, if I make sure the cleaner shows up on time, the people are being respectful, that they know where all the best spots in the neighborhood are, I check to make sure that they're not partying, You know, I check on your property, would you be willing to give me 5% of the income? And as I learn to manage this property for you, if I can get your property booked out 60% of the time, if I can make you $1,000 more money, how about I get 10% of that particular income? For every dollar I bring in after you start working with me, I get 10% of it. Like you could do that right now. That's sort of what the whole Airbnb experiences was. It's like, oh, if people are staying in a house and they're in yoga, you as a yoga teacher can offer private yoga lessons to the people in that house, right? So 
There's Airbnb experiences, but people are also now renting their cars. They're renting boats. They're renting the horses. They're renting their, their tools they have in their home. That's something you could facilitate for people. That's just one idea. If you don't have the skills for it, take that money and, and pay yourself with it. Make it an investment in yourself. I'm going to spend 10 weeks and this thousand dollars learning how to manage short term rentals of assets, whatever that asset is. Just an idea. You could also enroll in a course, like literally in your own skills development. Udemy, I mean, there's so much on YouTube that's free. I don't even know why people will pay for courses anymore. If there's a particular person that you want to work with, that's a different story. Hi, you can work with me. But like you can volunteer to work. You can get an internship. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how good you are. I can't tell you in at 35 years old with an NBA and at that point, a, a solid 20 years of work experience, a solid 17 years of music industry experience, how many projects I took on for free because I wanted to learn, I wanted to prove myself, or I wanted access to something that I couldn't otherwise figure out how to get into. Humble yourself, my friend. At $1,000 to $10,000, humility is going to be a good thing for you. Be willing to suck. I had a whole other episode about that. It might have even be called Be Willing to Suck. But we're not very good at not being good at things. And money is probably the number one topic for that. You knew. You knew this next point was coming. <laughs> if I had 1000 to $10,000 and I wanted to flip it quick, I would get into crypto. This is not a video about cryptocurrencies and investing, but if you want to learn about your energy around money and you haven't done my money story workshop yet, crypto will show you very, very quickly what you're willing to lose, how you respond when you lose, uh, what you're willing to learn and do in order to get to your desired destination. And there's not a lot that will 10x an investment in a matter of hours outside of crypto. You can also minus 100x in a matter of hours in crypto. So that's why it's a good thing to learn and experiment with. Like, Don't go put your entire 10,000 or 1,000 bucks in. You can put $10 in and make a dollar on it. But if you're just learning, that's a fantastic way to start. And it, it's not as complicated to get into. That's probably not the right way of putting it. It is complicated in a different way. Stocks feel a little harder like there's a there's there's like a barrier to entry that's what i'm looking for with crypto you can you can start making some really stupid decisions very very easily <laughs> and then you can learn from those stupid decisions and instead of losing 10 bucks you could turn 10 bucks into 100 dollars, and you can do that pretty much every day that's my little crypto spiel so last but not least what to do once you have figured out how to make 100 grand so if you have $100,000 in working capital, firstly, you have mastered savings. Congratulations. You most likely understand leverage in the sense that you have either learned how to make a savings account work for you, a job work for you. You've maybe gotten involved in some low risk or medium risk assets, including a home. Perhaps you are cash flowing some assets of yours through short-term rentals or uh, like Skillshare. You've probably got some type of vocation that is honoring your value. So you are getting paid and you are showing up consistently enough that you've been able to put um, six figures aside. Fantastic. So again, this is when you can really start making money work for you. 
and getting clear on your goals, your time is going to be, I think, the most crucial factor with something like a six-figure investment. You can you can inv invest in businesses, but they're probably going to want your money for two to five years, if not longer. You can start trading and investing in stocks and investing in crypto. You can put your money into managed accounts. Depending on your goals and what you want to do, you'll probably be able to experiment with a a handful of strategies. So you could put 20K into a tech company that you really believe in. What I would suggest, Ramit Singh is one of my favorites. He wrote a book called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And it's a six-week kind of program that you can put yourself through in your own time. I should say it's a six-step program because it could take six weeks, it could take six months, it could take six years. But he has some some very low-risk strategies for you. If that feels like what you want to do with your first $100,000, I, uh, I, I would acquiesce to his expertise. Um, I can absolutely point you in the direction of some amazing people who could help you with all sorts of different types of investing. I would, I will do my best. Um, I'm pretty rogue. My risk tolerance is really high and I live a unique lifestyle where I travel a lot. I'm a nomad. I have a handful of properties. I have a handful of investments. So I've not found many people that want to do it the way that I do it, but I am happy to bestow whatever, um, Whatever advice I can, take it or leave it. As per always, listen to everything I certainly say and everyone says through a filter of like, does this feel true for me? Does this feel good for me? And if not, throw it out. It's not for you. So, okay. Last and final takeaways. Why does this matter? Why should people actually explore how to make their first million or how to make a million? Once you've figured it out, you can do it again. And if there is no other skill set that you take away from this, this exploration, that belief, that faith, that understanding that I can do this again will carry you through to every desired destination you want to go to. Ray Dalio is one of my favorites. He wrote Principles. He wrote, um, he's written several different books. He's also the manager of one of the biggest hedge uh, funds in um, the world. He has both made and lost billions of dollars. And I, I share, I butcher his story because he has gone to zero at least three times. And then he has amassed billions of dollars after that. And he is able to do that. He is able to maintain the relationships with his investors and his employees and his network because he makes good on his promises, most importantly to himself. He know he can do it. I had a couple others. Like Steve Jobs was fired by Apple. Marvel went bankrupt in 1996. The jury's still out on Elon, but it's going pretty well despite his best efforts. The point is, why were they able to do what they did? Because they knew they could. Because they had done it once. And the, the first proof of concept that you secure means you can do this again. And so make it a goal to save that hundred, to get to a thousand, to 10,000, to a hundred thousand, because if you can do that, you can do it over and over and over again. And when you believe in your ability to resource yourself, because no one is going to rescue you, my friend, if you can't pay down your debt, if you can't keep a savings account going, no one else can happen. No one else can help you with that. So firstly, know like you are your knight in shining armor, because once you know that you are unstoppable. When I go back to that triangle that I've like kind of loosely referred to throughout this and, and other um, conversations that I've had, 
time, money, expertise. That expertise is built over time. Wisdom is your skills, that proof of concept, your trust and faith over time, right? So first you have to start small. You have to build that trust muscle. Trust doesn't, you don't, you don't get to millions of dollars. This is why lottery winners usually lose their wealth. They don't know how to manage it. So rather than say, I'm going to make a million, maybe the goal is I'm going to learn how to hold on to a hundred bucks. Maybe the goal is I'm going to literally save money until I get to 10,000. And that might take you 10 years. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter what your strategy is compared to somebody else. What you get to discover is what makes you successful. And that actually applies to everything. It doesn't matter how you make your first million. What matters is how you build your blueprint for your success. What works for you? Warren Buffett is probably one of the most famous investors in the United States. He didn't make his first million overnight. He made $236 for his first investment. And granted, that was like in ye olden days. So that may have been a little bit more money, but he made 200 bucks. Then he made a thousand bucks. He would generally 2x his investments. People, you know, Grant Cardone fucked everything up with this whole 10x bullshit. And if you want to talk to all the Grant Cardone people that I get to work with who that system did not work for, that's another conversation. But the point is, it's like one system does not fit all. Find a system that works for you and start small. That is how you build trust and faith in yourself. So if the target is too far out, you're going to miss it. Scooch it up a little bit. Scooch it up even closer. It doesn't matter what the target is. What matters is that you hit it and then you push it back a little bit and you build that trust in yourself. That trust is what allowed Warren Buffett to become one of the wealthiest men on earth is that he built that trust in himself. Then he built that trust in others, very small. The first like hedge fund that he launched, he got $10,000 from 10 different people and he used that $100,000 to invest in a business. Then that business became worth much more. Everybody got paid a dividend. The first dividend he paid out was a dollar. Like it all started so small, but we look back on 80 years and billions and billions of dollars and think it just happened overnight. Some success is absolutely overnight. I'm like not going to lie about that. But honestly, I've seen more of those people crash and burn than I have the ones who built their success slowly and surely over decades. Everybody is ashamed of where they're at in regards to money. I'm just going to say it. The wealthiest people I know are ashamed that they don't have more money or they've got some weird ass shame around the fact that they have money. The people who I know that can't save $100 and have never been able to learn how to manage their money are also super ashamed. The people that intrigue me are the ones who are doing really, really well. They've got money coming in. They've got a lot of money coming in but they don't know how to manage it. And that embarrasses them as well. It's Everybody's got a story around it. So rather than being embarrassed about it, just accept it's embarrassing for whatever reason. We've got all of this weird energy around money. Uh, I, I have so many resources around that. But so, you know, at me, accept where you are. If you haven't saved a thousand bucks, please don't just try and make a million. <laughs> um, if you don't know how to leverage a hundred grand, like, why, why are we talking about Lambos and I don't know, 10Xing? Like, start with where you're at. Get very comfortable with where you are right now. And then that's where you start building from, okay? Staying the same will keep you stuck. Fear will keep you frozen. Those are my final alliterations for this 
chat that we've had. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, this is one of my favorite topics. I don't know. I would love to hear how the whole clickbait title landed for you. Um, I'm, I can't wait to see how this video uh, goes, both short-term and long-term. And all feedback is welcome. Find me at hello at NicoleBZ.com. Please join the Discord container. The link is going to be below. I typically have lots of fun things happening. So get onto NicoleBZ.com to discover whatever my latest and greatest is. And uh, if you're looking for resources, uh, believe me, I've got them. So thank you again for being here. I love you. I wouldn't do this without you. I really wouldn't. <laughs>